Fanboy, episode 68. Hi, everybody. Mario. Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is episode 68 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? It's uh, it's It's been another uh, hell of a week. You know, yesterday in particular was a particularly fun, particularly sort of, uh, shall I say, vindicating day. You know, Matt Reeves spoke at the Television Critics Association uh, at a panel, and while in doing so, he addressed a number of different Batman questions and gave some answers that were uh, pretty, you know, pretty much music to my ears because, you know, a lot of what he said yesterday directly confirmed a whole bunch of stuff that I've been reporting pretty much since last year. So that was pretty cool. And I wrote, I wrote up a story on that if you kind of want to see, if you want to, if you want to compare what he said in yesterday's report and how it lines up with things that I've been telling y'all for, you know, almost a year now. So that was pretty cool, pretty vindicating. Of course, there is that one little sticking point there about year one and the way that that was, you know, so unfortunately misreported. And you know what? You know, I'm not going to go off on a, on a tirade here because I pretty much said everything that I have to say about that over on the Twitter. Um, but, you know, you know what, I, what I would like to specify now is any, any upsetness I have or any anger or any whatever is not aimed at listeners or readers or supporters or just even people who've never heard of me but who are generally just consumers of this news. I'm not upset with those people whatsoever. I'm upset with the people who misreported it. I'm, I'm upset with the writers, with the websites that didn't properly check and properly read and properly pay attention to the nuances of how I reported on the year one stuff. And who also completely ignored the following day when I when I clarified since so you know since some people totally kind of misunderstood what I reported because they read about it at another site which completely it's like you know so anyway um, any upsetness I have is towards other sites and towards uh, other reporters who didn't do their due diligence who didn't actually read the piece or pay attention to the nuances of what was reported. That is where sort of all of my ire is aimed at. And, um, you know, I want to just mention something here while we're sort of in this space where I'm speaking about other people's sites and whatnot. And this actually, you know, this isn't like a negative thing against other people's sites and other people's shows and podcasts. This is more of just a general note that I've wanted you guys to know for a while, just so that, you know, just so that you know. Because from time to time, I get people who ask me questions like, oh, did you listen to the last Campia show? Or did you watch Collider Heroes? Or the Jedi Council? Or the Star Wars, making Star Wars podcast? Or whatever. And I, I need you all to know that the answer is no. Always. Um, it's just kind of like a general sort of like a quote-unquote policy of mine. Is that since I spend so much of my time thinking and obsessing and analyzing and writing and podcasting and working on geek slash, you know, fanboy stuff. When I'm not 
working on something for Revenge of the Fans or something for this podcast or for the Revengers podcast. You know, when I'm not working on this stuff, the last thing I want to do with my free time is listen to another geek podcast. And that's not an offense to anyone. I know I have some wonderful friends out there who have their own shows and I will happily support them and I retweet them. And, you know, I'm happy to come on shows if you want to converse with me about stuff. But I literally, I don't listen to anyone else's podcasts. And that's not a knock. And part of it is because, like, I I, I guess it's almost like a stand-up comedy thing. You know, one of the comics I respect the most, Bill Burr, has mentioned how, like, he doesn't watch his friends' specials. He doesn't watch anyone else's stuff because he doesn't want to accidentally, by osmosis, steal somebody's joke or or take someone else's perspective. He wants everything that he says on stage to come organically from him through his filter. And it's just better for his creative process to stay away from the opinion from other people's stuff. And the same thing for me. You know, listen, I'm not some huge, you know, famous blogger, writer, podcaster with sponsors and the whole network of people I work with and a producer and all this other stuff. I'm just some dude. And it's like my main thing I have going for me is my quote unquote authenticity. People always tell me that they, they love that I speak from the heart that everything I say is very sort of raw and organic and authentic to me. And you can always tell that even if, even if I'm, you know, way off on something, or, or even if it's something that, that, that you totally disagree with me about, you appreciate that you at least know that I'm being truthful and that I'm speaking my truth to you. And you can appreciate the authenticity of my remarks. And the main reason that I'm able to achieve that is because I kind of stay in my own little dome. You know, I don't let anyone else's voice, I, you know, I just, I, I stay out of it. So just so you guys know, you know, in the future, if you, you know, you ask me about something that some other famous blogger or, or, you know, podcaster said, or YouTube personality, just know I don't, it's not a knock on anyone. It's just part of my process. And when I'm not doing this stuff, which is very little parts of the day, really, but once I sort of quote unquote punch out for the day. The last thing I want to do is spend an hour, hour and a half listening to someone else talk about the same sort of stuff I was just talking about. You know, when I listen to podcasts, I'm listening to completely different things. I'm listening to true crime. I'm listening to podcasts about like, you know, old professional wrestling heydays from the late 90s. I'm listening to ebooks on uh, on Audible. You know, I'm not listening to stuff about this stuff because it's kind of like, honestly, it's the last thing I want to think about when I'm trying to just clear my mind and get a distraction. So just kind of wanted to address that also while we're talking about uh, other sites and what, what other people are saying, because I really don't get too involved with any or all of that. So moving right along, uh, this thing about the year one stuff, what I find interesting and sort of what I was talking about on my appearance this week on the Shanlin on Batman podcast is that you know people instantly assume that it's going to be an origin story and they, and they you know they they kind of read way too much into the whole fact that year 1 is one of the things that this script or or Matt Reeves ideas is being compared to um is that people instantly assume like oh we're going to get a young inexperienced Batman again they're thinking about that montage from Batman Begins where he has like the prototype of the suit and he's still just kind of figuring things out I was like no we're not necessarily going to do that because here's the thing, what I think we're going to be getting is 
I think we are going to get a Batman who's in his prime. But what is new and sort of young about him here is that in this story, this may very well be the first time he faces a, a, a much larger than life, big time villain, which is going to be new for him. Because there's nothing to say that just because he's young, he's a rookie. He could, you know, he could be young. He could be 20. He could be 30, according to what I was told. You know, they, they, they said Batman is going to be 25 to 30 in this movie. So he could be 30 years old. He could have already been Batman for several years, you know, four or five years already in Gotham. But basically up until now, he's been dealing with street level stuff. He's been dealing with corrupt politicians, you know, corrupt cops, dealing with mobsters, dealing with that sort of entity, you know, your more traditional criminal element. And now in this movie, in theory, this is just a theory, but I think what's going on is this may very well be the first time he, he faces off against someone who's not just your everyday criminal, who's not just a, a, a low-level person or a street-level or run-of-the-mill bad guy. So that's what's going to make this new for him. And that's why people keep kind of like when they hear Reeves' ideas over at Warner Brothers, you know, that's why they refer to year one because it does sound like it's, you know, the, it's the first time he's dealing with something and he's younger. So that's sort of me just, you know, trying to fill in the blanks and connect the dots. Because listen, a lot of people came to me with this year one thing. There is a comparison there that may just be in the tone or in the fact that he's younger and he's dealing with something unknown to him. But remember, that does not mean it's an origin, just like Matt Reeves said yesterday and like I said last week. And that does not mean that we're going to be getting a rookie, inexperienced Batman who doesn't know what he's doing. All right? Just kind of wanted to put that out there because there are people who are still anxious, as Batman fans, still anxious about what it means that, you know, th that they're resetting the, t the timeline a little bit. And while we're talking timeline, you know, something that's interesting here, and I didn't really write about yesterday because I was, when I when I wrote the um, the Batman piece last night, I was really kind of like, I wasn't planning on writing anymore yesterday. When that Slash Film report landed late yesterday afternoon, it kind of caught me with my pants down. I was getting ready to take my wife out to dinner. I was already kind of like done with my day. I had already written this giant Superman piece earlier in the day. So I wasn't going to write anything. So I really kind of wrote that one out. I blurted it out in about 20 minutes. And I realized afterward that one of the cool things that came out of yesterday's comments is Reeves more or less confirmed that this film will be a prequel to what we've seen. Because if he's still talking to Ben Affleck, then that means that this will be part of the existing DCU canon. So that's something that I, you know, I, I kind of want to make sure it gets some press because there's still sites out there referring to this as like a reboot or something. And listen, it may very well be, but it, it's as I pointed out before, it's more of a soft reboot. You know, it's kind of like what's happened where, you know, certain franchises will sort of change tones midway and sort of realign where the character is. I've, in the past, I've compared like Thor Ragnarok to that situation where Thor Ragnarok is almost a soft reboot of what of what Thor was and is because he was you know it's such a totally different movie tonally speaking and Thor comes out of that looking very different and acting differently than to what we've come to expect at that point so anyway it doesn't seem like this Batman is going to be a full-on hard reboot where they pull the plug and start completely from scratch because you know as he said as he alluded to yesterday 
he mentions vaguely about these there there will be connections to the greater DC world. He just doesn't want to go into specifics because there's lots of moving parts here. And the, the, the mere fact that Affleck is still in the conversation tells you that this script will basically be a prequel to what we've seen because you don't bring you don't bring Affleck back if you're basically saying we're starting from scratch and acting like BVS and Justice League didn't happen. So, you know, for those of you who were anxious about the reboot nature of this movie and 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 the old canon and the old continuity going out the window, it doesn't appear you have to worry about that. And you know what? That's a relief to me. That's a huge relief to me. And I know that may sound sort of strange coming from me because I was not the biggest fan of the, uh, you know, the initial movies in this franchise. You know, for me, it's like Wonder Woman head and shoulders above everything else. And then everything else I either kind of liked or flat out disliked. So it's weird for me to be celebrating that the old canon is still being kept, but allow me to explain why that happens, you know, why I feel that way and why it's not actually a contradiction. It's not actually hypocritical of me to be doing backflips about Batman not being a reboot and hopefully Cavill staying and hopefully everything kind of continuing on despite my sort of lack of love for the previous films. So the reason I feel this way is Right now, what I want more than anything is stability. I don't want, because here's the thing, I know almost selfishly that if they do, if they were to go more in like a reboot direction, and we're getting an all new Batman, and the negotiations with Cavill fall apart, and they're going to get an all new Superman, I selfishly get upset about that, because I know it means it's going to take a while for all this stuff to fall into place, and for DC to regain its footing again. And I don't want that. I want my I want my Superman and my Batman and my and my DC characters to just be running smoothly. I don't like all the uncertainty and all of the sort of chaos of oh which continuity is this? Oh, what are they retconning? Oh, this is is this a reboot but that one's not? Oh, how is this like I don't like all that because I just know that in terms of the mainstream perception in terms of getting these movies to get to tell the stories I really hope that they get to tell we kind of have to just continue. We have to push forward and just realign them. Starting from scratch again means it's going to be a while before the DC ship has stabilized. And I'm, I, quite frankly, I'm tired of waiting for that to happen. So that's almost the main reason why I'm glad that they seem to be sticking with the existing canon and just sort of making nips and tucks along the way to make it work better for new audiences. So that's kind of how those two ideas actually do make sense together. Um, and by the way, you know, I was talking about this a couple weeks ago, I believe, on the Revengers. But just to sort of follow up, you know, a lot of people were disappointed that at San Diego Comic-Con, we didn't get a full-on slate, right? That was one of the things. Like, they were hoping that Hamada would come on stage and go, here's what the next, you know, three or four years look like and so on and so forth. But really... If you pay attention, you know, especially now with yesterday's confirmation of the Reeves Batman, we kind of have like the next six DC movies lined up. We have all of our DC entertainment needs pretty much spelt out for us from now to 2021. And if that, if, that, if what I just said made you go, huh? listen, yeah, hear me out. So we already know what's coming next year, right? You know, we got Shazam. We got uh, the Joker movie. 
and we have Wonder Woman. Then, you know, based on what we've been informed by, you know, directly from Reeves yesterday, based on reports from very trusted sources like The Hollywood Reporter. By the way, you know, I, I hope people realize that The Hollywood Reporter is like unofficially Warner Brothers sort of like press office. A lot, you know, I, 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 whenever I do research on my reports and I want to verify things with links, I always like a, a recurring trend is that a lot of Warner Brothers stuff that is like hard news that comes from, you know, that that ends up coming absolutely true and seems to be disseminating d disseminating information directly from Warner Brothers comes from The Hollywood Reporter. So between what Reeve said yesterday, between what Hollywood Reporter has said about some stuff, we know that next year, you know, Birds of Prey is filming, that supposedly The Flash will be filming at some point early next year, possibly in the spring. And Reeve said yesterday that uh, assuming everything goes to plan and, and the studio likes his script and everything comes together, he's assuming Batman is going to film next year during the spring or summer as well. So what does that mean? That means that's, that's our 2020 slate, for those of you who want a slate so badly. Now we know that in 2020, we're going to get Birds of Prey, we're going to get Flash, and we're going to get Batman. That's three DC movies. So basically between now and 2021, we know all the movies that are coming out. We don't know the exact dates, but we know that in those calendar years, we're going to be getting three DC films a pop. So that's pretty dope, if you ask me. And they're really kind of like, I hope people aren't re like missing that. You know, because there was all this sort of like hemming and hawing about, oh, I wanted a slate. Well, you kind of have one if you all you have to do is pay attention and connect the dots. You know what I mean? And now let's talk a little, you know, a little Superman, shall we? Because, you know, that was the, that was like the big central theme of last week's episode. A lot of you really seem to sort of jive with what I said. And, you know, you, you, you agree that, you know, it's been a very tough time to be a Superman fan, a, a fan of Superman on film. And when I say a tough time, I don't just mean these last couple of years or waiting for this Man of Steel sequel. I'm actually referring to anyone who's been wanting a Superman movie basically since Superman 4 ended. You know, where we thought, okay, well, when is part five coming out? You know, we've been on a perpetual sort of waiting game. And I really kind of recapped a lot of that last week. But while we're talking Superman, I kind of want to address something. You know, it's a question that was sent to me by a listener and by a reader. And there seems to be some a little bit of confusion about this. I've seen other people comment on this. So let's go ahead and tackle this idea of, but Henry has one more movie on his contract. Now, listen. You know, it sounds very reasonable, right? It sounds very reasonable and rational and logical that, hey, why are they worrying so much about extending his deal now if he already has a movie on his deal, on his contract still remaining? Why don't they do all these negotiations afterward? Well, here's why. Because as we can all see right now, DC and Walter Hamada are preparing full tilt for the future. They want everything that they put out there to be an indication of what DC is now, not what it was, what it is now and what it's going to continue to be. They want stability and they want to be able to kind of put their best foot forward and say, hey, fans, everything you're seeing now is the strongest indication of what we are from now on. So with that in mind, there is nothing in it for them to release a Superman movie with an actor who could potentially fly the coop as soon as the movie comes out. 
That's why they want to have the extension done in advance. And listen, this sort of thing happens a lot, even in sports. A lot of times, like, you know, when it's a player's last year or a manager's last year, they don't wait until the season's over. A lot of times they do the renegotiation before that first season, before that last season even begins. Because the whole thing is, what happens now if that player or that coach takes the team to the championship? Now, when it's time to you know get ready for the following season and hopefully build on that momentum, now that player or manager has ownership by the balls. Now they have all the leverage. And now they could go, hey, check it out. Listen, I got you a trophy. I got you, you know, I, oh, I, I hit 60 home runs or I did this. So now you better pay me. So uh, from the company's end of things, that's why they like to try to handle these things in advance. Because the last thing they want to do now is risk giving Henry more leverage when it's time for his contract extension. And remember, Walter Hamada is trying to bring costs down. He's trying to make the way things run over there much more efficient. And the last thing we need, you know, the last thing he needs now is to is to further establish that hey Henry Cavill is our Superman, and then risk him going. You know what? I don't want to sign this new deal. You're not going to pay me enough. And then now suddenly DC's forced to reboot, or DC's forced to bring in a new actor, which isn't so easy with Superman. I don't think. You know, with Batman, you can kind of almost get away with it because as long as they're wearing the same costume, you know, and still sort of look like Batman, you can kind of pull that Val Kilmer thing. Heck, you could probably maybe even do that with Spider-Man with you know, with masked heroes. No, but with Superman, where the actor playing him is so integral to that portrayal, and people see that face, and people get so closely linked to him, simply recasting him and going, but this is the same exact continuity and canon. That's yeah, that's kind of a tall order with Superman. So that's why the the fact that he has one movie left. Yeah, that's why that that's not really factoring into all this, because since they're trying to plan for the future, they don't want to make one Superman movie with a guy who may not come back or in order to come back is going to hold them hostage. So I hope that makes sense now. I hope that clarifies the seemingly, you know, the, the, the seeming confusion of the fact that, but he has one more movie on his contract, you know, and, and listen, I'm not patronizing. Like I get why you would think that. And I get why in, uh, in theory, on paper, thinking rationally and logically, well, why are they worrying about this now? They can always just do these negotiations later. Let's make this Superman movie now. But, you know, hopefully now you understand. But, uh, all right, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to make an announcement and I need to, I have to give a big thank you out. And then we're going to get into some listener questions because a bunch of you sent in some some questions and topics for me to tackle today. And then, well, I'll let me just announce it. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, right now, I need to thank uh, John D. Nicola. Uh, he's my he he's the latest Patreon patron for Revenge of the Fans. He made an absolutely unbelievable um, you know uh, pledge to the to, to, to the uh, campaign uh, last week and I want to just thank him and welcome him aboard to be a, being a patreon patron thanks for all your support remember right now revenge of the fans is primarily a labor of love by and large everything that you read on the site is totally um, 
donated by our writers. It's all time that I, you know, that I that I dedicate to the site for virtually pennies on the dollar because the only real money I make on this site is through Patreon because wow, this sponsorship stuff, you know, or rather having ads on the site and whatever, it really doesn't you know, it's, it's not that fruitful and I'm going to have to figure out some way to make this site profitable because I got to start paying my guys and I got to start, you know, yeah, I've, I've alluded to this before, but you know, at some point I'm going to have to start making something on this just to justify to my wife, uh, why I spend so many hours a week doing this. It literally, it's like 25 to 35 hours a week is spent doing revenge of the fans business. And as it stands, you know, when you when you look at the meager few bucks we get from our from our ads, and when you really factor in, you know, the 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 Patreon total, once you sort of divvy it up across all the work that goes in, you know, I'm getting paid like you know two dollars an hour to do this or something, if even. Um, so I digress. What? Uh, so John, thank you so much for for joining uh, the Revenge of the Fans Patreon campaign uh, if anyone else out there wants to to, to pledge your support uh, while we try to figure out how to make this site profitable I mean we're only seven months into our life and you know, the the business end of things is something I don't really know all that much about that is John Crabtree's department and we're trying to figure out you know how to uh, how to make this site worth it in terms of you know, bringing in a little money because this is a lot of work and this is a lot of time that goes into this. So either way, thank you, John D. Nicola. Now, in terms of other announcements to make. So next week, I'm going on a vacation. I'm going to be gone from next Thursday, August 9th to the following Thursday, August 16th. And what that means is we will have a Revengers podcast that I will participate in uh, that comes out this coming Tuesday. But then... There will be no episode of the Fanboy Podcast next week as I will be gone. And I will not be on the following week's The Revengers Podcast because, you know, I'll be out of town. But there's a there's a good to fair chance that Brett and Vanessa will soldier on without me the following week. And that means that for this show, I can't make any promises because I will be landing on Friday night, August 16th, and I don't know if the next day I'll have it in me to put up episode 69 of the Fanboy Podcast, but right now, I guess pencil it in, I'll keep you posted, but in theory, after this episode, there could be, you know, there, there might not be another episode for three weeks, uh, but I will try to make it two if possible, I promise you. Um, and the other big announcement is what's coming up later on on this episode. So longtime listeners know that, you know, I've got a couple of great friends who are huge on Star Wars and are geeks with their own, you know, uh, columns and, and vlogs and podcasts of their own who they like to come on my show and we talk about Star Wars during key moments in the development of a Star Wars film or in the release of a Star Wars film. I kind of call it my little fanboy Jedi Council. And as part of this episode this week, I you know, we're, we're doing round three. So my, my, my two friends who are going to be joining me later are Aaron Verola from the Fanboy Garage, another podcast available right here on the Revenge of the Fans podcast network, and uh, Rick Shue from the Batman on Film podcast, who also is a huge, huge Star Wars fan. 
and the three of us are going to mix it up. It's a nice like 53-minute conversation. Now that ep- you know, production on episode 9 kicked off earlier this week, we cover a lot of really interesting topics uh, in terms of where we think the franchise is at now and what our excitement level is and what we sort of hope and expect Abrams to do with episode 9. And we talk about all the big news about Carrie Fisher being back and Billy D. Williams being back, then Mark Hamill and the Force Ghosts and the whole thing. So definitely, you know, enjoy that conversation when it comes up in a little bit. But for right now, let's go ahead and get into some listener questions. Because last night I put out, you know, I sounded the alarm that I'd be recording soon and I wanted to know what you guys wanted me to touch on for this episode. So let's go ahead and get into some of your questions. So Marcos Corona asked, Cyborg not even being thought about? Green Lantern Corps? Leto Joker? Any films besides uh, Wonder Woman 84 that a Snyder is producing on? So there's a lot of little questions in here, and some of these are questions that that come up again later on, so I'm not going to, you know, I I will just answer it here. Um, So, okay, let's go piece by piece. Cyborg not even being thought about. Listen, by all accounts, the Cyborg movie has been shelved. It has been scrapped. I hear he's not even in The Flash anymore. Remember in the original or one of the earlier scripts for the Flash, uh, there was the, you know, the he was expected to appear in it, and they even you know, there was even a thing where Rick Famuyiwa, who was directing it at the time, teased as much in late 2016 when he posted a picture with uh, Ezra and Ray Fisher, the actor who plays Cyborg. And in general, if you look at at the way that Justice League played out, you know there was a scene in there, the one where they're where they're digging out. Superman, where they sort of lay the foundation for the two of them to have a bond. And there was this thought that Cyborg would factor into the Flash movie. But as it turns out, you know, he, he's been taken out of that script. And I, it looks like for the for, for, for fans of Cyborg, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, things are grim. And I think it's one of the reasons why they're allowing the, the uh, DC Universe streaming service to get him, take him, and give him their own live-action adaptation. Because you know he's going to factor in big between Titans and Doom Patrol, he's going to be like connective tissue, and they're currently recasting. You know they're 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 casting a new actor to play Cyborg on those shows, and I honestly I, I don't see how Ray Fisher will be playing the character again. It's very possible that maybe if they do ever get to a Justice League two, which I assume will be years from now. Maybe they'll you know they'll, they'll bring him off and they'll uh, you know take out the oil can and you know uh, grease him up for another performance. But right now it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing Ray Fisher Cyborg on the big screen anytime soon. Sorry about that. Uh, Green Lantern Corps and a couple of you asked about this. So something that came to my attention earlier this week is that when they announced that Jeff Johns was now developing a Green Lantern Corps movie, which I want to say has been like less than two months in that, since that announcement, maybe even a month and a half or a month. I, the, the time sort of blurs for me since I kind of live in this little fanboy cocoon. You know, and, and there's, there seems to be new news and new rumors and new developments every other week. So I have no idea when that was, but I know it was recent. I know that the, the Jeff Johns was announced there recently. Apparently, when that happened... Uh, he took over, like he, he, it became a whole starting from scratch scenario. So that means that, you know, all the stuff that David Goyer was working on last year, all those whispers we heard, it's going to be like lethal weapon and this, this and that, like you can't put any stock in any of that anymore 
because when Jeff Johns took over the project, he basically start he's starting over again. So that means that this movie's not you know not particularly close to getting shot, and with the way things are stacked up, I would not be surprised if it doesn't come out until 2021, which means that it won't film until 2020. And if you paid attention earlier in this very episode, when I was kind of laying out what these next couple of years of DC films are, it makes sense. Otherwise, if, if they were to try to get it out sooner, that would actually be four DC movies in 2020. And I don't think that's happening. You know, listen, they're, they're starting to feel confident over there. But four movies, that's, you know, that, that's a lot in one calendar year. So I think the soonest we're seeing Green Lantern Corps is 2021, which means that thing ain't getting filmed till 2020 or late 2019 into 2020. Like in theory, they can maybe do, you know, next winter and it'll film over, you know, or rather winter 2019 after Batman wraps, then go into Green Lantern Corps. But regardless, I would not expect that anytime soon because George, you know, Jeff Johns is basically starting over again. Now, in terms of the question about uh, Snyder producing, the way I believe this works is, and this is more of a, just what it seems to be, and it makes sense, is that he will be listed as a producer on any of the films that came from his castings, that came from sort of his ideas, you know, his seed from like Batman v Superman. So that means that anything that, that, that has Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot in it will have his name on it. Anything with Ezra Miller's Flash, anything with Henry Cavill's Superman, um, and then the you know, the Batman situation. I'm not sure how that works because if Affleck does end up not returning, you know, I don't know how that works. I that, that's sort of confusing to me. But either way, you know, anything that has to do with characters that he cast that are basically following up on the seeds that he planted, uh, we're gonna see his name on there. Um, so, but meanwhile, you're not going to see them on anything else, you know, not like Joker or Birds of Prey or that sort of stuff, because Margot Robbie and whatnot, you know, she was cast by David Ayer, not uh, Zack Snyder. So if anything, maybe David Ayer will get producer credits on Birds of Prey and future Margot Robbie Harley Quinn movies. Um, and just a quick note, by the way, you know, mentioning Ben Affleck's Batman kind of reminded me of something else I wanted to point out about Matt Reeves' remarks yesterday. You know, the, the mere fact that he had to be like coy and sort of vague and sort of indirect about Batman's part, you know, about Ben Affleck's participation in the Batman movie really should tell you everything you need to know about why the, the, the outlook has been grim about Affleck's return. You know, this is not bloggers and sites making this up. You know, when we go, when we speak to sources, we get the same sort of vague coy responses from them because Affleck does not seem to be a hundred percent locked in. It's very touch and go. And cause, and just cause, cause think about that. If Affleck, who is definitely, he has another appearance in his contract and has been firmly established as Batman already through BVS suicide squad and justice league. If he's in this movie and that's been the plan all along, then it, when they asked him that at the TCA yesterday, it would have just been, it wouldn't even, even have been a question. He would have said, of course, he's Batman. Like, what are we talking about here? But instead, he had to get sort of coy. And there was all this, it was very sort of open-ended about, you know, even the, the, the folks there at Slash Film were like, you know, it's interesting that he didn't rule out recasting and going younger. And he didn't flat out say that Affleck is coming, just that they're talking about it. 
So that right there indirectly confirms what all of us have been saying. This isn't just my scoop. Everyone who's been letting you know that the whispers behind the scenes are that Affleck is out, that that the mere fact that Reeves couldn't just give a yes or no answer yesterday, this vindicates all those reports retroactively. I'm sorry if you're someone who, you know, likes to shit on bloggers and you what you what you want to point and laugh and say, "Oh, you guys were wrong." But no, you can't. Because literally, if he was still in the movie, if this was just a foregone conclusion, he would have just blankly, you know, flatly said yes yesterday. So, anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent, but it's something I wanted to mention because now you maybe now you guys get a small sense of what it's been like trying to get answers from the studio about Affleck and why it seems like far from a sure thing that we're ever going to see him again as Batman. Um, all right, JRB asked me about lots of casting rumors floating around for Birds of Prey. Have a take on any of it. See, here's the thing. This is where the fact that I'm not a big comic book person becomes a hindrance to what I do in this line of work of mine, this chosen sort of side profession uh, or, uh, you know, uh, really spirited hobby is what it feels like a lot of times. But, um, yeah, this is where the fact that I don't read the books is a hindrance because since I don't really know the characters and I have no idea what the fuck a huntress or a black canary is, and I guess I'm going to have to learn about this stuff. Um, I really don't have any opinions. You know, all I know are the actresses who are on wish lists. That actresses like Alexandra Daddario and Blake Lively and others are on wish lists. Um, in terms of the like the caliber of the actresses, you know, that's pretty impressive. I like Blake Lively. I thought she was great in the town, and I thought she got a raw deal appearing in that Green Lantern movie as. Uh, you know, Carol Danvers. Did I say that right? Is it Carol or is that Miss Marvel? I don't know. She played some Danvers, the one from Green Lantern. And that movie, as we know, kind of, you know, was a disaster. Um, so, you know, I, I guess I would be happy for her if she got a chance to sort of vindicate herself in another DC Universe project. But, um, you know, so the actresses are, I'm all I'm a big fan of, but I don't know enough about it. And... That's all I can really say on it with any degree of comfort. I'm sorry. The only thing I, the only other thing that isn't my my take on it, is more so just the logistics of it. I would I would I would expect casting news for Birds of Prey and Batman, by the way, in the next few months, probably in the fall, because if they're going to be filming in you know the top of the year, which which is what the, all the reports are saying that Birds of Prey will be filming in January or February. That means that these actresses have to be, you know, nailed in by then. We have to know who's going to be in these movies. So expect some formal announcements. I've spoken to dudes who are who work on the uh, on the design state of things, you know, in the design department over at Warner Brothers, and they know that the design stage is going to come into play. Uh, either in like late August, early September. And usually in order to do that, you got to know who you're designing for so that your costume sort of works with that actress's features, with their hair, with their eyes, with everything, just to sort of make, you know, a great iconic look. So the design team is expecting to have answers, you know, within the next month or so as to who's playing this, you're playing these roles. So I would not be surprised if we get official answers very, very soon. And same thing with Batman. You know, I, I think in the fall, since, you know, since he's turning in his draft uh, in a couple of weeks and the studio is really, you know, they're, they're continuing on their, uh, 
you know, in their pre-production stages and they, and in theory will be filming next spring or summer. It's only a matter of time. We're going to get who's playing the younger Batman pretty freaking soon. So maybe the fall or winter, but I would say before this year is up, we will finally know who the new younger Batman is in this prequel that is set within the DC Universe canon and is basically a younger version of the Ben Affleck Batman, which is why I think it should be Army Hammer and he's still my dude. Um, then there, what, 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 what okay, <laughs> Davo, I'm sorry I can't answer your daughter's question about Fortnite. I've never played it. I don't know what it's like. I know it's very popular and I saw some videos of Thanos dancing in Fortnite, but I couldn't tell you what the hell that game is about or anything about it, so I'm sorry I can't answer that one. Um, you know, Friggy R, uh, you know, a Twitter user suspended in time. You know, you asked about the Flash, Green Lantern, or New Gods. I mean, I kind of touched on Green Lantern already in that, you know, you shouldn't expect anything all that soon because they're still in very early days on that production. In terms of new gods, I mean, I don't know. There hasn't been, like, I haven't heard any anything about it. And I don't think that means it's been shelved or canceled. I just think similar to other DC projects that we've heard about, everything from Lobo movies to Booster Gold movies to, you know, that, that Jared Leto Joker standalone movie, you know, like all these other scripts that, have, that, that we know are getting worked on. It's one of those things where... It'll come into place at some point as long as the script that gets turned in is worth a damn and people like it. Um, and that's just kind of what I think is going on with New Gods. And as for things with The Flash, you know, all we really have to go on is the fact that THR, you know, the Hollywood Reporter, you know, still, you know, the, as of their last reporting of it, I believe in early June, uh, The Flash would is set to film, you know, quasi, you know, um, quote unquote early next year. So I, you know, that's why in my report, I have it sort of slated because they seem to do one movie at a time. So I have it slated as when birds of prey stops, that's when the flash begins, assuming that, you know, the script is in place and, and, you know, and they're happy with it. And if THR is saying that it's filming next year, I'm assuming the studio is quite happy with it. Um, Lawrence Kaufman, my man, one of my Patreon patrons, longtime listener supporter who sends me awesome uh, direct messages sometimes, and we just, you know, wax philosophical about Superman and how uh, and Supergirl and everything. Uh, Lawrence sent in, "Do you expect the Cavill WB stalemate to be resolved one way or the other by the time we get to September?" Um, I don't know. You know, it's 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 hard to see. I I kind of feel like. I kind of feel like I, I want to say yes. I want to say that now that Fallout came out and the studios saw what a great success that is for Paramount and they see how people are taking to Christopher McQuarrie, which by the way, I don't know if you read my report yesterday, but I have a feeling that one of the main reasons that the studio is said to be paying attention to Fallout is not so much Henry, but also Macquarie, because Henry seems to be like, that's his guy. He wants director approval. He wants to come in and he kind of positioned them as a package deal. That's how it seems to me as an outsider. From everything I've heard, he has been championing Christopher Macquarie behind the scenes for a while. And I think they want to see if Macquarie can open a movie and can make a movie that, you know, make, that fans love, that critics love, that makes a bunch of bank and knows how to like tick the right boxes to create a big, large-scale blockbuster. And Fallout totally did that. 
So that's why, like, you know, I want to say that they should announce it soon. Strike while the iron's hot. Macquarie is like a made man now after Fallout. And Henry Cavill is in the public eye now because that movie is what everyone's talking about. And he's one of the big supporting players in it. So if I'm Warner Brothers and if I'm Cavill's team, I'm saying, all right, let's wrap this up now and announce it while the, you know, and ride on Fallout's coattails. You know, while everyone's talking about how great Fallout is, if you announce, oh, well, if you love Fallout, check it out. The director of that is making the next Superman movie with Henry Cavill. I think that would be a brilliant way to handle it. So in my heart of hearts, we will get an announcement on it soon. But unfortunately, you know, there's just, there's no way. So I'm not going to like go ahead and say yes or no. I don't know. I think it'd be smart, but then again, there's lots of things that I think are very smart that Warner Brothers doesn't seem to agree with me about. So, um, you know, that there's that question. Then Mr. Isaac Wolf said me, that's a, it's such a great name, by the way, Isaac. I hope you use that all the time. Like, whenever anyone asks you what your name is, don't just say Isaac. Say, oh, I'm Isaac Wolf. Isaac Wolf. It's just, I wish I, I, wish I was Isaac Wolf. But anyway, um... He said, just curious about what you think of these potential ideas. Say that Wonder Woman 1984, Aquaman, and Shazam are all successful, so they don't find the need to do more of a further reboot than they're currently doing. You know, what would the chances be that they get Ben Affleck to have a role in a movie set in the present where he gets the offer to get into the Lazarus pit as a present to de-age himself, sort of like how Talia does in one of the episodes in Batman Beyond. Um, here's the thing. Could that happen? Sure. Because it's, you know, it, at, at this point, it's a well-established trope, the Lazarus Pit is. It's a well-established trope in the comic books, in the cartoons. Uh, I still remember being freaked out by that episode of Batman, the animated series, when Ra's al Ghul goes into the Lazarus Pit and comes out laughing and it's all maniacal and insane. So listen, I love me some Lazarus Pit, but I have a feeling that that may just be too geeky for a movie or that, you know, the studio would get a little squeamish about bringing something kind of that, you know, far-fetched or that sort of supernatural. You know, I don't think they're going to overthink this that much. I don't even think that they, 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 they see it as this huge responsibility to have to quote-unquote explain why there's a different actor now. You know, I think they're going to probably handle it with the fact that they're setting the Batman in the past and having a young Batman, a, a new actor, assume the role. I think that's kind of as far as they want to go. They really just kind of want to like seamlessly sort of pass the Batman baton, similar to like along the lines of what happened from Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer, from Val Kilmer to George Clooney. They didn't find a big storyline excuse for why Keaton suddenly looked like Val Kilmer. Or why, you know, uh, Val Kilmer suddenly looked like George Clooney. They, they they didn't bother with that. They want to go almost like the James Bond route. Don't call too much attention to the recast. Just here's who's playing him now. Accept it. Deal with it. Love it. It's the character and the mythology that you're already hooked into. So just here you go and enjoy this new actor's take on it. Uh, that, that That's about as far as I think they'll go. I don't expect a big storyline explanation. I know at one point, you know, they seem to be mulling it over. You know, that's why they were doing like the, one of the reasons that they wanted to, they, they turned the Flash into Flashpoint and then now back to Flash. One of the reasons they turned it into Flashpoint 
was because they wanted to try to use time travel conventions and some sort of comic book magic to explain why maybe Batman is going to get changed around and after Barry Allen fixes the timeline at the end of Flashpoint, there's a new sort of younger Batman because maybe Martha and uh, what's his name? What, what, why, why am I forgetting? Uh, Thomas. So maybe Martha and Thomas, you know, uh, you know, had a kid later on after that incident. And that's why Batman's like, like, there was all these different rumors about the fact that Flashpoint was practically, you know, invented almost cynically so that they could retcon a bunch of things and keep what they want and discard what they don't. Flashpoint was essentially going to be like what Days of Future Past was for X-Men, where it sort of reset the timeline and sort of picked and chose what it was going to keep since the previous films had sort of come off the rails. You know what I mean? So at one point, Isaac, they were thinking about, you know, doing a storyline explanation for some of these changes. I no longer think they're going that route. That's why they're back to just making Flashpoint into The Flash. And I think they're just going to simply recast the role and that's it. And uh, so check it out. So before we get into the Star Wars portion of this episode, uh, I want to just address one thing because, you know, there's, uh, there's one listener in particular and I feel like he might be speaking for an entire subset of the listenership for this show. And I want to address it. You know, there's one listener who's pointed out that like this seems like a very DC-centric show, that I don't talk about Marvel all that much. And when I do, it's sort of dismissive and, and whatever. And, you know, and the fact that like I'm not jumping up and down analyzing, you know, the Fox-Disney deal and bringing the X-Men into the MCU and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of want to address that real quick because, listen, you know, my heart does belong to DC, and listen, I love them all. And in general, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't do the whole like tribe thing where, you know, DC versus Marvel, Marvel is better. DC is better. I don't care about that. You know, I, I've praised the, the hell out of a whole, you know, plenty of Marvel movies. I still have video reviews on YouTube, which I haven't really been able to keep doing because I've been so busy, but you know, you go back and watch my reviews of Ragnarok and, and other stuff. And you'll know, listen, I have a fondness for Marvel. I do. But, you know, the, going back to what I spoke about earlier in this show, this whole thing hinges on my authenticity. And for me, speaking passionately about things that I feel very strongly about. And the fact of the matter is, I just feel much more strongly about DC characters. You know, Superman is my first love. And Batman is right up there next to him. And the Justice League and that whole world, that has always been what I'm all about. So I would rather give you like a ton of DC stuff and risk alienating Marvel fans than just throw in some token Marvel topics and half-ass what I think about them. You know, when I do feel strongly about Marvel or if there is Marvel that's legitimately on my mind, you'll hear about it. Just like in the lead up to Infinity War, I had a recurring segment here on the show called like Marvel Memories, where I kind of walked you through where I was and what I thought of all of the MCU movies leading up to Infinity War as a celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in general, you know, I'm sure when Captain Marvel comes out, we'll have plenty to discuss. And if any, you know, if any huge news comes out in the next few months, I, I will always like touch on it. But... And, you know, truth be told, you know, I just, I, I naturally feel much more strongly about DC. 
And you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. And I need to be honest with you because if I'm not being honest, I'm just going to start talking about things that I don't necessarily give a fuck about. It's going to water down this show and it's going to become less passionate. It's going to become more sterile, more about me checking boxes. Okay. Did I talk enough about Marvel this week? Did I talk enough about this or that? Oh, I didn't mention Star Wars in the last few weeks. Like, I don't want to do this like that. Every week I basically sit down in front of this microphone and I tell you what's on my mind. And I, I don't like, you know, I, I, it's, it's an unadulterated take into, into what I'm thinking about what's going on out there. Um, a lot of times it will be DC. A lot of times it will be Star Wars and sometimes it'll be Marvel. And that's just kind of it. I'm sorry. Uh, but as a, as a, as a makeup for that, I do try to make it so that the Revengers podcast, where it's me and Vanessa and Brett, has more of a Marvel element to it. I mean, if you if you even just look at the name of the show, the Revengers is a takeoff on on a line from Thor Ragnarok, and you know which is a Marvel movie, obviously. And in general, I try to make sure that we talk more Marvel on that show, and you know, and and maybe not always lead off with DC topics because you know I do want Marvel fans to get some content you know, from Revenge of the Fans and, and all that sort of thing. But in general, I've got to be truthful. I've got to be authentic. And so Marvel will only ever be discussed when there's a big story that I actually legitimately have strong feelings about. Okay? But all right, everyone. So uh, it's now time to segue into my Star Wars, you know, fanboy Jedi Council with Rick Shu and Aaron Verola. And uh, you can definitely, you know, if you want to depart from here, if this is where you check out, then this is where you check out. Just remember, there won't be a new show next Friday. And, you know, hopefully there'll be one the following Friday. But there's a good to fair chance that there won't be. So you won't be hearing another episode of this show, con- you know, potentially for another three Fridays. So just keep that in mind. But for those of you who are sticking around, you're in for a treat, Star Wars fans. We have a full-on Star Wars awesome chat right now. All right, so as promised, it is time for round three of my own little fanboy Jedi Council. I reached out to my other two partners in crime, my other two Jedi Masters, and I'm so thrilled to have them on the show with me here today. So right now, I want to introduce... Uh, Not that he needs any introduction, but he is a columnist and co-host of the Batman on Film podcast. He is the one and only Mr. Rick Shue. Hey now. Hey now. I got to get a Batman on film. Hey now. Yeah, there you you do. Anyway. And, you know, I'm really excited about this because now I get to add another credential to this man's name. Last time I had this man on my show, he was someone who I I considered a listener and sometimes contributor to Revenge of the Fans. But now, since the last time we did this, he became the co-host of his own show. And it's an awesome show. It's called The Fanboy Garage. He is the one and only Mr. Aaron Verola. Yo, yo, crossover episode. And let let me just say, too, that I was a guest on that show. Our first guest. And I loved it. And I think you guys are kicking butt and taking names, man. Yeah, they are. They're awesome. And you guys are awesome. And we are awesome. And you know what's even more awesome? Star Wars Episode Nine started filming yesterday on August 1st. 
I know. So you know, it, it's the first time we've had some real exciting Star Wars goodness to chat about. And that's why I thought the time was right to get the band back together. So I got some Star Wars topics I want to go through with y'all. But uh, wow, I, I, my own Southern just came out. My y'all, even though I'm not even remotely Southern, but you know. Anywho, um, so let me listen. So episode nine started filming, and what sort of preceded this was last Friday. There was this huge press release, which, in my uh, the way I look at it, is very unlike J.J. Abrams because it yeah. was very revealing. And this is Mister, uh, you know, Captain Mystery Box over here who likes to keep everything a surprise. And there were like a number of surprises that were just bluntly revealed in this press release. But to recap. Us Star Wars fans found out that not only is Lando Calrissian, the OG Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams himself, returning to Star Wars, but now you know there's going to be Carrie Russell, there's going to be uh, Richard E. Grant, and then the big one, the big one that a lot of people didn't know what to expect or if there would be a way to make it happen, is Carrie Fisher, the original Princess Leia, or I should say now General Leia is going to actually be seen in this film. So I guess I kind of want to start here, fellas, with this big press release on Friday and the you know the updates on the cast. You know, uh, Rick, let's start with you. What, like, what was your initial response when all of this, the, this big info dump about Star Wars just suddenly landed on, on our laps last week? Okay, I'm going to make a confession I've never said or typed. I somehow let the toxic fandom reaction to The Last Jedi, and by the way, it should be the toxic online fandom reaction because I think yeah. most fans generally liked or loved the movie. And they um, likely wouldn't like want to start a fight with you in person about the uh, last one. <laughs> right. Get slapped well, in the mouth. Right. But anyway, I, I, I got a little just bombed. They, they slowly were kind of ruining Star Wars for, for me in a weird way. And oh, I didn't really, I didn't wow. even really realize it. And I, I'm, I'm serious. And then, you know, Solo came out and I really love Solo and it was uh, fun. But, you know, then it flops at the box office. You're like, oh, man, uh, this is just dragging me down. I, we need some good mojo back, despite my own personal feelings of The Last Jedi. It's just the way things are. And then this this announcement came out, and all of a sudden I was, like, back in it. And I said, you know what? F you, you social justice warrior trolls. <laughs> We're not ruining. This thing is too magical, too big, and too beautiful. And I am as stoked as I could possibly be. I just, I'm on cloud nine, man. And and of all the names that got revealed, which by the way, they could, they totally could have like split this up. They could have mentioned, you know, Carrie Russell last week and Billy D. Williams this week, and then Carrie Fisher as the big surprise, or not even at all, just yeah. make her a surprise. And like they literally just dropped it all on us like a ton of bricks. Uh, like which of the new additions or the new, you know, the names that were revealed kind of had the biggest impact on you, Rick? You know, I was glad to see that Billy D was confirmed 100%. Oh, yeah. um, I knew that Mark Hamill was going to return as a force ghost. There was no way they were going to wrap this up without doing that. Right. But I, I found it really interesting that JJ went ahead and just said, you know, we're just going to announce it. We're not going to play these games. Um, and it's also fair to say that Mark Hamill can't keep a damn secret anyway. So he, that, that, that way he just lifted off his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, he but, was trolling uh, the shit out of people anyway. <laughs> but I think I think the Carrie Fisher thing is what really got me because I've been wondering what, how they're going to handle that. I just assumed they were going to probably have her death in, a, in the crawl and it was going to be five years or so after the events yeah. of The Last Jedi. And, and they're going to use her from unused footage in Episode 7. And I'm, I'm assuming probably some stuff from 8 and... And uh, who knows, test screenings yeah. or whatever. There's all sorts of stuff they probably have at their fingertips. And um, I I think that's great because you, you don't want to recast her and you don't want to just have her dead. I mean, and you to can't ha cast her. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a that's a good discussion for another day. And they, I, I was kind of leaning towards maybe you, they could. They can't recast yeah. her. You yeah, me. well, it's a moot point. So there, she's right. back, and I, I think that they're going to do something very special with her. And I think that she's going to be there to just put a bow on this whole. You know, this is the end. Of, you know, they even announced it as such. This is the end of the Skywalker saga. It's a nine chapter saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're and we're gonna get to that. I I I, I definitely want to build towards that and, and discuss that yeah. aspect later on because that part is like it's it, it's a lot to wrap my head around. But uh, all right, so Aaron, now your turn. You know, when when this came when when this all arrived on Friday, this big info dump. You know, how did you feel? I to be honest with you, I completely missed it. What? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 because it was my anniversary. And, you know, my wife and I were out and about, and then I just happened to scroll through Twitter late, late in the evening, maybe even early Saturday morning. And I saw it and I was like, what did I miss? Holy cow. Um, look, I'm super excited. Uh, Rick, you bring up a very interesting point about the fandom and sort of how things have been going with The Last Jedi and, and sort of the toxicity that's been spewing from some of the online folks. I think the reason why J.J. and Lucasfilm made this announcement was exactly that. I think it was to change the conversation uh, you know, Carrie Fisher, uh, regardless of you know where you sit with the Last Jedi, was certainly a bright spot um, for the film, and I oh, think yeah. fans on both sides of the table rejoiced to hear that you know she was going to be treated with respect, and that they weren't going to, of course, recast her and or just kind of you know summarize it in the crawl, which I I also assumed was going to happen because I'm like I I don't know what they would be pulling from, you know. Um, but, you know, in hearing that, I'm super excited about it. Um, I, I too, am, am excited to see that uh, the man, Colt, Mr. Colt45 himself, will be rejoining <laughs> the cast. Um, you know, Mr. Billy D. Williams. So, yep. yeah, no, I'm stoked. I'm a little, I'm curious about, um, what's your name? Carrie, well, Carrie, Carrie Russell. Russell. Felicity. Um, whatever i i remember her from uh carrie from the mickey mouse club back in the 90s oh wow um, yeah that's a throwback deep cut um <laughs> but no no no. I, I you know i'm interested to see what what the new characters and who they're playing um of course mark hamill back force ghost always knew that was going to happen but uh yeah no carrie carrie fisher's return is intriguing um and how they're going to do that. And I also wonder, you know, I know that they were, they were adamant about not using um, CGI yeah. to recreate her. But I wonder if they will use, obviously, they, I, uh, I think this is a given. They're going to use CGI to enhance some of the stuff that she's done and fit it into the context of the story. Yeah, I think they're probably going to do a thing where, like, they change some of the dialogue that is spoken to her and they kind of repurpose her responses. Like, I, they're going to change the context of some things that she's already said so that it's, you know, so that it serves this story and gives her a proper out, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, what's funny about and this. I, 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 oh, when, you say, when you say proper out, do you mean just because she's there for the final chapter? Because I don't think they're going to kill the character off. I no, think I don't think they're going to kill her off either. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling since a lot of her stuff in Episode 7 was in that little, like, command center. I have, you know, remember in the, a lot of it was in the scene where they're getting ready to attack Starkiller base and all that sort of stuff, and she's in that, right. that, that outfit. I have a feeling that means we're going to see plenty of her in the final act of this one during whatever the final conflict is here. She'll Not in factor the dress. into that. Yeah, I just have, because remember, if you think about it, in episode seven, which is what they're specifying the footage is from, and even though Rick mentioned, I'm sure that, you know, Ryan Johnson will let them pull from some episode eight stuff if there is anything that was unused. But by and large, in episode seven, she was 
in that getup. She was in her like general fatigues. at the command center fatigues. Yeah. So I have a feeling we're going to see her as part of like the final big battle. And maybe they have one celebration shot of her that didn't get used in episode seven or another camera angle of her celebrating when the, when the base blew up or something. And basically th- th- that's how they'll incorporate her into however, you know, this, this final one wraps up, I, you know, I do wonder though, I mean, just given the, um, the technology. I wonder if the CGI will be used around her, like in terms of changing her costume. Oh yeah, so like, or, or to feel, change the you know, background too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even, I mean, who knows? Change her hairstyle completely, and and it's still, you know, it's still Carrie Fisher, but just completely different. Well, I hope, I whatever they end up doing, I just hope it's not distracting. I hope I can yeah. just see her on the screen and feel the emotions I'm going to feel and tell my wife that I'm not crying, she's crying. <laughs> yeah. And I just hope it's not too distracting. So if they are going to do some, you know, movie, you know, magic voodoo, then I just hope it's so minimal or so well done that I can't tell cuz I do, I do yeah. not want to be distracted. But um I, I hear you and I personally believe that her performance she improved quite a bit from the last Jedi. Mm. You know, she was kind of rusty a little bit in the first one. Oh, she, yeah, yeah, she was, she yeah. was, she was still delightful, but you could just tell she hadn't been on a set in a while. Yeah. And then here she is on a major motion picture. And quite frankly, I think in the last Jedi, she just rocked it. And, uh, so it'll be kind of inter- interesting to see what we see and, and everything. But, and when you watch the three of them together, but you know, history will always reflect on the fact that she is who she is and that she passed away. And that's just going to be part of movie magic. And I think that, She's in good hands. JJ was a personal friend of hers. Yeah. Um, he successfully relaunched this um, this whole saga, this franchise, and so I'm, you know, I'm my faith is in JJ. I tell you what, guys, I am. I had mixed opinions about it at first, but I am really glad JJ's in the driver's seat right now. Yeah, personally. me too. I mean, totally, me too. Um, but just with regard to when the news dropped, by the way, it's just funny because, like, I so. I had just set up a wedding. I was getting ready to DJ and I had like an hour and a half break because they had the cocktail hour and they actually had live musicians for that. So I knew I wouldn't be needed for a while. So I'm scrolling through Twitter and all of a sudden I see this thing about Carrie Fisher and I'm like, oh, you know what? I better get this up on the site and I have a few minutes. So Mm -hmm. I jump on WordPress. I start writing up the article. And as I'm looking at the press release, more and more names are popping out of me. I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't just Carrie Fisher. They just low key just mentioned that Billy D. Williams is in it. And nobody on Twitter was like even talking about that because all the fuss was about Carrie. Carrie, And then again, and as I'm doing my final, so then I had to go change the headline again. The initial headline was like, you know, something like Carrie Fisher is going to be in Star Wars Episode Nine. Then I saw the Billy D. Williams. I'm like, whoa, Carrie Fisher and Billy D. Williams are going to be. And then as as I did the final proofread, um, who was it? Justin Kroll sent out a tweet about Kerry Russell's deal suddenly closing. Yeah. So I had to literally rewrite that article like three times before hitting publish. Because I'm like, wow, this is like such a huge amount of information just out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, he, was, okay. I mean he, he, he put everything to rest. I mean, all that stuff was like speculated like, what, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, maybe for Kerry uh, Ru- Russell. Damn, why can't I remember her name? I don't know. Um, whatever. <laughs> It's the Tussin. Uh, <laughs> it's in my blood now. Uh, anyways, no, I, you know, I, I'm glad. I'm actually, I'm really happy that they just kind of like put the nail in the coffin. They put it out there. They get people really excited about it, talking about it. Now we're, you know, we've all moved on from the Last Jedi to a certain degree because I did read some folks going on like, oh, I hope JJ retcons this and fixes that and blah blah blah. But well, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that. I'm glad. I'm glad you think we've moved on because I kind of like. I know personally. 
like when this news dropped, it, it, it's weird because you guys know I've kind of had an up and down thing going with Star Wars. You know, you guys fought me last time about my Last Jedi opinions. I was going to say, meet in the street, bro. Let's do it again. No, but, but, but listen, but, but, but here's the funny thing about like, here's how passionate my Star Wars fandom is. That even though Last Jedi kind of left me unsatisfied and, and, and left me with tons of little things that I was not too thrilled with. And even though Solo, I had a bunch of issues with just as yeah, from a, from like a, from the kernel of the idea, from what they were even trying to do, I was just skeptical as to whether or not it was a good idea. And by the way, I think I was kind of vindicated by the by the way audiences more or less shrugged at it. Like I had a feeling audiences might do that precisely right. because of the concept for this movie. But despite all that, you know, I ended up enjoying Solo way more than I thought I would, and I really I, I saw it twice. And then when this news came, it, it, you you would think that I that I I I've been the biggest most happiest Star Wars fan for years. Like I completely forgot about my qualms about any of these last two movies yeah. as soon as this announcement arrived, and I just started doing backflips. I'm like, oh my god, Episode Nine is coming, and yeah. they've got Carrie and Billy D and Mark Hamill and J.J. Abrams is directing it, and they're gonna wrap up the Skywalker saga. And all of a sudden, all that baggage and all those concerns and all of my yeah, skepticism just, just right, out, right the out the window instantly, yeah. like without just boom, I. I no longer cared about any of the previous baggage and I was all about December 2019 cannot come quickly enough, you know? Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I, I'm glad it seemed to have that effect on you, Ricardo, since it sounds like, you know, I, I know you get more involved with these arguments with the trolls more than I do. And it sounds like they, they were sort of like bogging down your excitement. So I'm glad that this was able to bring you back. And, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit for that. It was just sort of an overall vibe because I'm online a lot. And so that's where all this garbage is. If I'm at a right. bar and I'm talking to people about Star Wars, it'd be like five people, one person. Oh, man, I didn't really like Les Shadow that much. And then four others like, oh, I loved it or whatever. It's just sort of a mixed bag. It's always that way with Star Wars. But online, it was just just beast yeah. of like negativity. Yeah. And just you can't help it. You know, I just started avoiding Facebook threads and I started blocking and muting a lot of people on Twitter and um, but it just sort of like ugh. and then I think part of it, too, was solo uh, undeservingly, I might add, doing so poorly at the box office. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. sort of it was it was sort of like a victory for the vitriol. Yeah, just like oh, it was deflating. And yeah, then, that's awful. You know, and then all of a sudden but then this starts to come out and you're going, man, look, it, it was a little bit of a bump or not even a bump. It was a little bit of a drag. Right. I mean, solo was bad timing. We can get into all that. It just didn't work at the box office. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a delightful film. And we're coming. We're. I, mean, I think we're ascending. You know what I'm saying? I feel yeah. good about this. We're going. We're going up, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of going up now, you know. So listen, episode. You know, we're recording this on a Thursday night. When er, this will be releasing on a Friday. So for those of you listening, this is two days ago. But for us, it's yesterday. So episode nine began filming yesterday. So let me ask you: mm -hmm. at this juncture, Aaron, with everything that's gone on, with you know, Last Jedi and Solo and whatever, like right now, what is your current hype level like? For episode nine are you excited for it yet is it too far away for you to get excited like you know how are you feeling right now dude i was excited for episode nine the moment i walked out of the theater for the last jedi <laughs> um and it hasn't come down i mean honestly look um has has the the hate and the toxicity you know um as my wife would say thrown stones at my feet and kind of dragged me a bit oh, a little bit but that doesn't really it doesn't shake my overall excitement for the franchise for the fact that 
um, you know, they're going to be closing the saga out, the the Skywalker saga out in in grand fashion. I mean, I'm 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 excited for nine for for two reasons. One, because I want to see how they're gonna how they're gonna end this, of course, but I'm also excited to see how they're gonna pivot away from it. Um, you know, Rick, Rick, you and I, when we when you were on my podcast, the Fanboy Garage, we had it out about Obi Wan and all of that stuff. So I'm I'm excited to see what where that's gonna go because I don't necessarily think. And this is probably why we haven't gotten any announcements about what their new, you know, Star Wars stories are going to be. I, I think they're going to move away from, you know, touching characters that we are familiar with like that in terms of solo stories. But for the most part, going back to episode nine. Yeah, I'm I'm still at 12. I'm 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 ramped up and ready to go. You know, I, I, I it can't come soon enough for me. And right. seeing those images, because uh, I know they did like that one image and, you know, you get the. The little blurry shot of the people who are in the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm, I I go into cr- rabid Star Wars fan mode, trying to pick out exactly who's <laughs> doing what's what. You know, is that Ray's hand? Okay, that black guy's definitely uh, thin, and I see some fur. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Now, Rick, let, yeah. let, let me ask you, and I'm also going to ask you, Aaron. But Rick, let me ask. Um, you know. Ryan Johnson, as we know, one of the things that you loved about, you know, The Last Jedi and and part of his overall approach to this was to sort of like, you know, um, kind of spin things on its head a little bit, kind of, you know, toy with conventions and kind of bring sort of some new qualities and new elements and really sort of like, you know, just toy with your expectations. And that's sort of what, you know, what he brought to the table. Now, J.J. Abrams, on the other hand, is often accused of being sort of nostalgic and sort of clinging to the past and and sort of like, you know, relying too much on nostalgia and all that sort of stuff. So let me just ask you, like, you know, are you concerned at all that now, like some of the progress that was made with Episode 8, in your eyes at least, progress, are you worried that Abrams might like pull some of that back and kind of go a little too heavy into the nostalgia and the fan service? No, I'm not. I mean, well, let me, let me rephrase that. Um, I, I don't. I'm not worried about anything. I think that when we look at this trilogy collectively from thirty thousand feet, when it's all said and done, I think we're going to have three beautiful Star Wars films. That's how I feel, and they all will serve their own purpose and all have their own style. And JJ obviously leaned on some nostalgia to bring the franchise back. I don't. I think that the whole thing that Episode Seven was a remake of A New Hope is a little misleading. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, look, Star Killer Base was a yet another Death Star, but we also had that in Return of the Jedi. No more Death Stars. I mean, Please. that's a given, right? Please no more. <laughs> but um, but I tweeted the other day that I actually don't want to put a negative spin on the word fan service. I think for this film, it's the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. It's the final chapter of this trilogy. I want this to be heavy on fan service, personally. I don't mean go back and recon it at things that... Uh, that, that Ryan Johnson did, because I also think that's kind of a misleading thought process anyway, because somebody says, okay, so if, if suddenly he makes Rey a Skywalker or a Kenobi, and by the way, I still think we're going to get the Kenobi film, um, and I'm not trolling when I say that, I really do think we're going to get it. Wrong. But anyway, but if you, if you, <laughs> nope, if you make, but if, if he makes Rey a Kenobi or Skywalker, I don't think that's like changing The Last Jedi anyway. I think what she was told is what she was told in that moment for a reason. Yeah. But, right? That doesn't change anything. Okay. And I just and I want to see heavy on the fan service. This is what I mean by that. I want to see we're gonna have Luke. We're gonna obviously we have Billy D. Um, I wouldn't be mad if there was a Billy D or you know should, should I say Lando is reminiscing on he and 
Han's last adventure together, and there's a little mm-hmm. cameo by Harrison Ford. I certainly would love to see like a Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker, Force Ghost. I, I've said that a lot, but yeah, that Force, yeah, Ghost, yeah. That, mm. that Force Ghost exists. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in the last Jedi. Or the, I'm sorry, Return of the Jedi. That that and that uh, that look that Hayden Christensen Force Ghost is now official canon. Yeah, it is. He's he's Anakin Skywalker. Have him mm. in there. All yeah. right, there's Force Ghost. Why is he not there? And then obviously something with Obi Wan as well, because technically his Force Ghost was already in the Force Awakens. You and yeah. McGregor talks to Ray, and yeah. I, I, I want to see him. I want this to feel like it's not tying up this trilogy, but it's tying up the eight movies before it. Yeah, and just put a big bow on it and big wet kiss to all the fans. Obviously, the story will serve itself, and the story that he and Chris are writing. Uh, they can't just force things in to force them, no pun intended. But I think that this can be a film that's heavy on on fan service, and I don't think that has to be. I don't think that has to be viewed as a negative thing at all. Well, now, listen, I'm going to evolve the question as I pass it back over to Aaron now, because you know we know Abrams, like I mentioned to Rick, you know, does have a tendency to maybe try to lean on the nostalgia and whatnot. But now we're going to evolve the question a bit because he does have a gargantuan task here. He has oh, yeah. to not only follow up episode eight's, you know, interesting planted seeds with Broom Boy and all that other stuff that Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson you know did, but he ostensibly he has to wrap up the you know, he has to somehow create a final chapter that wraps up everything from the previous eight movies. So does any of that bring up any kinds of concerns for you? Do you think eight you know JJ's up for the task? Do you think it's too too tall of an order? You know, or, you know, I just, you know, what sort of thoughts come to your mind when you realize how much ground he has to cover in this movie? Um, I'm not I'm not actually concerned about that because he had a lot of ground to cover when he was setting it up. Right. Like he had to reconnect fans to Han Solo, to the relationship with Chewbacca. Um, You know, uh, on this, you know, everyone's searching for this on this quest to search for Luke Skywalker, you know, he had to reestablish Leia where she's been. So I think, I think a lot of that setup he's already done and he, he does it very nicely. Right. In terms of like, it, it becomes a, I'd say garnish to, you know, what his story is. Ultimately the only things he really needs to settle in episode nine is the conflict between Ray and Kylo. That, that, I mean, that's, that's the crux of the story, right? Everything else around it is, you know, helping helping the characters get to where they need to be, and ultimately they'll play supporting. Obviously, they'll play supporting roles in the larger rebellion versus first order thing, which I think is like tier two story or mm. tier two plot rather. So, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think um, you know he's not up for the task. In fact, I think you know he's already proven that that he can do it. Uh, you know, the Force Awakens was a uh, a massive cultural phenomenon. Uh, you know, huge, huge box office, and he and he paid you know a lot of respect and, and, and reverence to everything that came before it in terms of the original um, trilogy. So you know, I, I, what I'm most excited to see is you know in terms of uh, the eight movies you know we talked about before eight movies yeah eight, eight movies is the stuff that we you know we got in solo like the l3 connection and lando's connection to the falcon and and all of that stuff you know i'm i'm interested to see how he weaves those kinds of things into it yeah Um, you know maybe a callback to uh 
to Rogue One and maybe a visit to Mustafar, all of that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm so looking forward to to just seeing how he weaves all that together and, yeah, yeah. and uses it to tell the story. And, and, and I think I think he's going to do that. I really do. I think that he's aware of of what what I think what Lucasfilm has also acknowledged is that the prequels don't have the uh, stigma that they once had. Time has kind of healed some of those wounds. And yeah. they have, if you've noticed, they've slowly kind of been bringing prequel elements into these films anyway. When you had Jimmy Smith's and Rogue One, uh, right. you certainly had a bunch of stuff in The right. Last Jedi. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I think can- Cancel Bite aesthetically is lifted from the prequels. You've got Luke talking about Darth Sidious. I mean, that gave me chills. <laughs> so I think that, I think we're going to see again, I think this is going to be a recap. And when I say eight films, obviously there's Rogue One and Solo, but you know, I'm talking right. about the episodic the story. Yeah, Walker yeah. Saga. Skywalker yeah. song, right, right, right. And, uh, but I, I really want to see Hayden Christensen one more time, and I really want to see you and McGregor, um, and not just in the solo film that we're going to inevitably get with him. Now, Rick, yeah, I, Hayden Christensen would be a, a nice little uh, hat oh, that'd be amazing, this guy. and a nice yeah. way to kind of let him ride off into the sunset because I feel like he was, you know, very unfairly maligned for his work in the prequels, and to kind of give him a chance to just kind of show up one more time and ride off with this, like the celebration of the conclusion of all this, you know, might be, you know, it might be a nice bow on his experience on this and in how people remember him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I could. That's very well put. That's awesome. I could not have said that better myself. In fact, I know I couldn't have. And so, and yeah, and you're right. And and this is the Skywalker saga. He is the grandfather. He is no. the father. He is I, the I, matriarch. At this point now, he I, is Anakin. Yeah. yeah. Like, at this point, I would say I'm actually like I would be disappointed if he isn't in it because you bring up such a good point. Because I honestly hadn't thought of it, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, he kind of has to pop up. Yeah, yeah. Just I, for a moment. Yeah, I've been I've been a cheerleader for him to be in these from day one back in 2015, but now in this last one he really needs to be. I want to read a quick quick tweet. I don't know this guy, but Andrew Loopy or something. He's a big Star okay. Wars fan. I, I follow him on Twitter. He's he's pretty solid. I like his Star Wars tweets. But this is what he just t- he just tweeted. He said the prequels, the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker. The originals, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. The sequels, the legacy of Anakin Skywalker. His mm, deeds. Yeah. His yeah. deeds, his name. Let Anakin finish what he started. Hashtag Hayden in nine. I oh, love it. Oh yeah, I love it. I just re- I just retweeted it. By the way, that's wow. good stuff. Right? You know yeah, what? that's a good. Yeah, you've yep. totally kind of made me a believer now. It it hadn't dawned on me, but now like I kind of need that. Um, yeah. Now, Rick, I know you're a very busy man with your, you know, with your your your, your blogs, your vlogs, and your podcasts, and your, your your bar that you run, and you're about to open another one. Uh, so you probably don't have a chance to listen to my other show, The Revengers. But you know, we spoke about something earlier this week that I want to just run by you. I know, you know, Aaron heard it. He responded to some stuff we said on there. But Rick, I was thinking, like, how cool would it be? If the legacy of Solo, a Star Wars story, is that it kind of brought Lando back to the forefront. And in a way, in Episode 9, they, they kind of tie some things back to Solo. Like even just having Billy D enter the cockpit of the Falcon, look up at the little screen that symbolizes the AI of the L3 droid. And just even if it's just a subtle, like he gives it like a knowing glance. And and those of us who saw Solo know what he's like, what that's about. How amazing would that be? I think it's. I, look, I don't. Not only do I think it would be amazing, I think it's going to be amazing. I think that, look, no matter the the fact that Solo uh, sadly did not do so well at the box office, people still liked it, and everyone really liked Danny Glover as as Lando. Lando was I just think you cool. Remember Donald Glover? Oh gosh, Donald Glover. Sorry. <laughs> yes. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the wrong Glover. Yeah. 
Oh, forgive me. That's a, yeah. That's so a yeah. So you were weapon. saying that's a lethal weapon, gentlemen. Yes. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. The younger, so, the younger guy. Yeah, Crispin so, Glover. So yeah, every <laughs> Crispin Glover. Hey, you. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Get your damn hands <laughs> off her. But uh, I, I really, God, those sequels suffered without him playing that part. It really um, did. Back to the future. Yeah, we should have a Back to the Future pod at some point. I will because I love the first two, and I think Back to the Future Three is garbage. But anyway, so um, ooh, ba, 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 ooh shots fired. Where was that? Okay, so yeah, I think that I think we will get that. I think we'll see some cool throwbacks to to Lando and Solo yeah. because people still like the movie, and, and it's and, still canon, and it's still great. And so. I think in an odd way, it's going to add some extra weight and poignancy when we do see Billy D. Williams on screen because having you know, seeing young Lando and Solo. I mean, you know, for the ten of us who saw the movie. You know, seeing young Lando in Solo, like it kind of brought him back into our thoughts and into our minds. And yeah. it's like, you know, when he when he pops up in this, it's like, oh, look how far he's come. Look how much older he is now. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to remember kind of you know, the beginning of his journey, which was in Solo and then the middle of his journey from Empire and Return of the Jedi. And now here he is. Here's where Lando is today. So I, I just, think, you know, yeah, I've never really thought about that. We're going to see the young Lando. Then we're going to see the 82 year old. Yeah. Lando. And uh, yeah. that's a really good point. Yeah, so I'm kinda, I mean, I'm, he, he, I mean, Donald Glover did amazing things, you know, with that character. I think so, so, you know, I think, and, and and I know a lot of the chatter around Solo was was around how how awesome he was. Um, I also wonder, you know, if if part of Carrie Fisher's, um, I guess I don't want to say lost footage, but the footage that they'll be using is to actually put the two of them in a scene together somehow. Oh wow, yeah, that would be interesting if they could work yeah. that out somehow. Yeah. Like Lando walk around the command center and just, you know, have a quick exchange. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, because you think about it, he's going to be there and everyone's uh, and, you know, gone. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. original yeah, three. But, uh, but that's why I'm thinking. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe they JJ talks Harrison Ford like, hey, it's the last one. Come do a come do a quick just little you know shoot for yeah. a day. A quick scene yeah. with Billy D. Some flashback. Yeah, who knows? We might get it. Yeah, maybe. Or, but... or he's, or he's um, you know, maybe he's one of the people, because, you know, at the last, in, in The Last Jedi, he's, um, you know, Leia puts out that distress signal for people to come and help, and that's the sort of rebirth oh, yeah. of yeah. the rebellion. So maybe yeah. he comes out of retirement and answers the call. That would hey, be but, pretty dope. That would be dope. But I will say this. If I had a choice between Hayden Christensen, Ewan McGregor, or... Harrison Ford and Harrison would be out it probably would still be Hayden Christensen but they've got to do something with Obi-Wan I, I, I just my OCD will always go back to The Force Awakens when when Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan has a new line in the film he rode on his motorcycle to JJ Studio go. to yep. record that thing and says these are your first steps here and we go you can't, you can't <laughs> let that go it's the must in, in some ways it. It's the most important line in that film, in my opinion. Look, yeah. I'm I'm all for Obi Wan in nine. I am. Bring him. Let's. But do you it. don't want the Obi Wan movie. I do not want it, and I stand firm. So sorry, Rick. No, and for those of you I, I, who, yeah. uh, you know, Aaron wrote a very you know very thoughtful, thought provoking piece about this subject, which I'll include a link to when I post this up on the site. Um, and listen, you bring up a, a great point, but I, right now I really want to focus on something because Rick mentioned the people who were gone, right? 
And that got me thinking about Luke, because that's obviously, you know, arguably the biggest blow that we were dealt with. Luke, you know, kind of getting killed off and everyone's expecting Force Ghost Luke. But something else I was speaking about on the Revengers that I want to bring, I want to loop Rick in on. And now that I have a fellow, you know, Star Wars fanatic and you here with me, Aaron, uh, I want to just, you know, with the two of you here, let's talk about this. I read an interesting theory that Luke, you know, it's not necessarily that he's like dead or killed. It's that he let go. So in a way, like apparently some, some hardcore Star Wars fans say that there's a difference between being struck down in battle and that whole thing where they, you know, like what happened mm-hmm. with Obi-Wan and what happened with Qui-Gon and whatever. And, 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 with, and what Luke did, like Luke, like almost purposefully let himself go just to become one with the force. And it almost gives him, you know, in theory, it could almost make him more powerful than we've ever seen before. He could be, it's almost like a cosmic entity that has abilities that we've never seen in a Star Wars film before. And I was asked to follow up on that by, by one of my listeners and one of our listeners, Dennis, and I feel like, you know, I'm, I, I want to ask that question. So, Dennis, thank you so much for reminding me about that. And now that I've got you two on here, you know, what do you what do you think of that? Do you think he's dead and just you know going to be a force ghost to offer some advice? Or are we going to get to see Luke do some crazy, super heroic cosmic feats I now mean, that he's one with the force? He, he kind of already has. Um, yeah. You know, everything that we got in The Last Jedi. Look, who, who's to say, right? Because if... If you would have told me, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker is going to pop up as an apparition and literally do battle with his nephew, I would have been like, yeah, right. Um, so that's the thing. That's the that's the beautiful thing about this mythology is that it, it's I mean, literally, it's anything that anyone can kind of create and, and add to it being, you know, a force power. Now, um, you know, one thing I do like the idea of, you know, his strength coming from his peace and purpose you know him his willingness to kind of just let go i would say uh i would argue though that that obi-wan did the same um as did uh, as did yoda and that's part of i think a lot of if you know if i'm kind of gonna geek out on you guys here about you know star wars mythology yeah um you know all of that is part of is part of their their essential training um right. their ability to kind of become uh, force ghosts is is you know that's Qui-Gon was the first to kind of discover it and he passed it down to Yoda and, and Yoda passed it to Obi-Wan and so on and so on. So, you know, um, I, I'd be interested, though, to see how his Force Ghost manifests other things because the other thing that we got in The Last Jedi, which I also thought was brilliant, of course I did, um, is the ability for Force Ghosts to manipulate the world around them and that totally makes sense because the force is is what connects everything to each other right so yoda's ability to call down a, a bolt of lightning and and strike the strike the tree is was an interesting example of that so i want to see that explored a bit more um from luke but again who's to say like who knows what he'll be able to do really like what will he be able to possess somebody i don't know well, you you you've already you've already made two of my points for me. One of them was <laughs> let's not forget it'll be one was struck down, but he did it on purpose. Absolutely. Uh, let's also and then the the Yoda thing is also very well put. Uh, this this is getting into semantics here, right? And Dennis is a, a passionate fan, and I respect his opinion on this. But I would just argue that if you want to get technical, I think in a, in a way Luke was struck down. Um, you know when he was when he was a hologram ghost, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He was with his uh, confronting his nephew like that was hard for him. 
And even when the lightsaber was going through him and everything, sure, he wasn't there to physically get struck down, but all of that sort of like it manifested into this major uh, sense of exhaustion for him that he he dies. And I yeah. and I and I think that that's how we have to kind of look at this is that I don't think it's anything really out of the ordinary when you really break it down. Sure, visually it was, but uh, at the same time, building on the whole thing about Yoda, I don't think that this Luke and Episode nine, I want to call it something. What are they naming this movie? <laughs> but I don't think that this is going to be a Luke that's sitting on a park bench like Obi-Wan yeah, was in, yeah. in uh, Return of the Jedi, just having a casual chat with Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah, like I wonder if Abrams has heard the, the, you know, the slight uproar that people really wanted to see him be more hands-on. And as a way to like please those fans, he's going to find a way to let Luke be more, uh, you know, more than just you know, the benevolent little hologram that offers some words of wisdom. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think there, there's going to be a lot, a lot more to his relationship with Rey. And, you know, because she's going to be a Skywalker. I think <laughs> oh, I, I really, I, I really do. You're going to make Aaron they, cry. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I think she might she, be, man. What if she is and she takes it because she's got nobody else? Like she doesn't know what her last name is and she just adopts the name Skywalker. Cool with me. But right. there's not no blood connection there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Just, I, I mean, in my opinion, it diminishes the broom boy connection, right? Which is basically anybody can be a, a Skywalker. Yeah. Any- I, was, I was actually having this conversation earlier today. No, keep going. You're right. Cause that yeah, was the, the theme, message that, of eight. That's yeah. the theme of, of the last Jedi. I a hundred percent agree. I don't, but I don't think it takes away from it. I go back to the scene. Uh, you think about attack of the clones where you see all the Jedi out and they're fighting. Yeah. yeah they, those, a, those aren't all Skywalkers. Those aren't all Skywalkers. Right. 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 You know, if anyone is a big fan of the Clone Wars, which if you're not, I strongly recommend people uh, catch up with that because it's coming back. Um, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, um, stories that talk about you know uh, kids being born with force sensitive powers, and you know ultimately Palpatine starts to collect them to steal and to kill them, uh, which is pretty dark. He's killing kids, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it sets the stage that, you know, anyone can be force sensitive. I mean, every, you know, at, at the the uh, Jedi Temple at its, you know, highest, you know, power and prominence had a whole bunch of younglings and all those kids came from nowhere Yeah, most of the time. All so, right. So, look, I've got yeah. one more for you before we wrap things up. So, you know, since uh, a lot of the theme of Episode 9 is wrapping things up, I want to ask you guys, I'll start with you, Aaron. You know, do you think that Lucasfilm is going to actually go ahead and, and and pull the trigger and really stick the landing on having this be the end 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 of the Skywalker saga or do you think they're going to leave like a bit of a, a bit of a back door open so that they could in theory do an episodes 10 11 12 you know what I mean? Like, are they going to yeah. stick the landing and close this story off so that Ryan Johnson's new trilogy and all that sort of stuff really is a brand new, fresh start? Because that's a bold choice to make. Or do you think they're going to go the Hollywood route and kind of just leave a li- just enough just in case they want to do 10, 11, 12? Man, that is a loaded question. Well, for, first, I, let, me, uh, let me simplify. Let me ask you, like, what would you want them to do? I hope they stick the landing. Okay. I, I really do. I um, although I don't have faith that they will, because I do think that they'll leave that little like you know closet door open a little bit. Yeah. Um, but no, I really do. I want them. I want this franchise to evolve, and I don't want it to to feel beholden to 
you know, telling a Skywalker story. Now I know that that's what gets people. How so, Kylo oh, of you? Yeah, let the past <laughs> let, die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kill it if you have to. Um, no, really, I, I I do think that there there's so much more opportunity to tell different stories within this universe that you know focusing solely on Skywalkers. Maybe it's a maybe it's a different family. Maybe maybe it's you know they take it way back and they talk about the first you know force sensitive person or something something to that effect. But you know at this point, you know everything that sort of represents Skywalker is is either dead or aging itself out of the franchise. So continuing yeah. with that, I feel is just belaboring the point of, of just sort of stringing us all along. And ultimately it doesn't. And this is one of the reasons why I don't think Ray is a, is a Skywalker because while I love um, Daisy Ridley, I yeah, Daisy Ridley. I don't think that one, she's in it for the long haul um, for another three movies and um and i and i just think that uh you know i don't know if people are going to be like rabid enough to go oh yeah she's a skywalker i gotta follow her story like i i just don't think it's there so all right so you you know so so your vote is to really like let's make episode nine the end and let's Close the start damn door. completely from scratch after this yeah yeah right. there's so look there's so much stuff to tell i mean no i agree yeah rumors of knights of the old republic you know that would be fa- you know fascinating there's also like the start of the sith all of those things you know i think would be compelling stories let's just not focus on skywalker all right rick yeah. you're up would you want them to leave a back door open for you so that in theory these stories can continue beyond this or do you want nine to really be the period at the end of this long sentence I guess for me, I have to think, what does that mean? What would the period mean anyway? Everyone just dies or, you know, no, what have you? No, it wraps up in such a satisfying way that, like, you know, that, that, that's it. There's no more First Order. There's no more, un, you know, un, un, like, no hanging plot threads. Nothing else that needs to be resolved. They literally, they wrap the whole thing up. We keep going back to this term, like, put a bow on it. But they really wrap yeah. it up so that there's really no more story to tell from, you know, for this particular plot line. Yeah, I think that uh, when I, and er, you know earlier when I said I I bet you know raise a Skywalker I was quasi trolling uh, Aaron when I said <laughs> that, but I I will say this I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if she's a Kenobi either I I wouldn't be surprised if I I don't even want to say if that's changed her background but it just could not be what JJ had envisioned when he when he he wrote her that's his that's his character right yeah so we'll see we'll see it'll be interesting here's what I want to see happen. I want to see Ryan Johnson do his trilogy, and I want to see him do it based on what he said he was going to do. It, and it was you know a completely different faction of the universe and a completely mm-hmm. different time period with different characters. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'll say, and I got into a conversation with this with my good friend and the brilliant Chris Clow the other day, is that um, he was saying, well, you never say never. I'm like, oh, of course not. And the bottom line is this. If they go outside the Skywalker name – and the films don't work, and they bomb. You damn well bet they'll come yeah. circle back around to Skywalker. Right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, but, yeah. It's, it's just, like it's like the Potter, the Potter yeah. thing. Yeah, that's just business. But if they realize that Star Wars can survive and carry on without that name, they're not going to they're not going to go back to it. In my personal opinion, because it just opens up the doors. It makes the universe so much bigger, and it doesn't make it so small. And yes. and we've already yeah, it's told been the story. very small so far, yeah. Well, yeah, it has. It's been big, but it's been small. I mean, the yes. whole you know, 
this, this whole <laughs> nine nine films in eleven. How many? It's about a guy, his son, and then their the grandson nephew. It's that's what these films are about. And yeah. we, uh, it's it's time it's to time, go beyond it, right? Time, oh, it's time to go beyond that. So yeah. I hope that there's. Uh, Ryan Johnson launches a new trilogy. I hope it has nothing to do with the Skywalkers. I don't. I don't even want to see three PO. I think Anthony Daniels should retire after this, unless yeah. he has a cam- unless he has a cameo in the Ewan McGregor uh, Obi Wan movie that that happens between Revenge of the Sith and uh, New Hope. Wrong. <laughs> so listen. Wrong. So now I'm going to answer my own final question before we uh, before we say goodbye. You know my my answer to it. It's a little tricky because. On the one hand, I absolutely agree. Where I, I, I want this to be the end. At this point, to keep bringing the Skywalker thing back is almost kind of pointless because you know all the original cast members are gone or have been killed off or you know whatever. And in terms of like the what's left within the storyline, all you really have left is Kylo. And you know, I, I just I'm kind of like I, I'm totally good closing it. But on the other hand. I still feel like I'm just getting to know Ray, Finn, and Poe Dameron. Like, I love these three new characters that J.J. Abrams gave us. And I love some of what Ryan added to them. But I don't know that, like, only one more movie is going to give me enough of them to feel like their arcs have wrapped up. So there's a part of me that's like, is there a way maybe to continue and just have more adventures with those characters that don't involve the Skywalkers? Like, I, I uh, you probably can't because they're, they're at this point they're attached at the hip to the Skywalkers. But to me, I'm just torn because I really do love these new characters. Yeah, I, I kind of I, 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 I beg to I differ it. though. I think there is an opportunity to kind of get them away from the Skywalkers, and that would be to advance their stories like years in the future. Right where, like in this movie, do that? You mean it, it? It yeah. Who knows? It may you know it might end, and then you know it fast. We have an epilogue, and it's like uh you know the oh, death like in Harry Potter. Too. Yeah, yeah, and they fast forward, and she's you know an older woman training, you know, continually tra- training Jedi and blah blah blah. And then what they if she's training in- Broom Boy? No, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. To be honest, mm, with you. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she's out there seeking, you know, force sensitive kids. Um, Interesting. But yeah. but who knows? You know, maybe maybe it ends with that, and then there's one kid that turns bad, and then it, that's how it ends, and then you know we're left waiting for oh shit, maybe maybe no. one of her students. I think I think the ending of episode nine is going to be like whoa, we're all just going to stand up and hug, and you know it's <laughs> just going to be this beautiful <laughs> right right. It'll it'll be it'll be Leia maybe disappearing. I think oh, there's gonna be a time. I, I think there's going to be a time jump for sure. I think there's yeah, gonna be I, yeah I, several years. Yeah, yeah. There has yeah. to be. There has to be. The, the other one, you know, was was super less less shot. I was unconventional in many ways, but but more so in the fact that it just kind of picked up after the last movie. So and you see, hey, let's let's remember something. I love it, but for those of you that cl- complain about it, that that was not Ryan that did that to Luke. That was JJ. No, no, I agree with you. And and to to no. your point of, I'm sorry, we're going down a complete rabbit hole. I know we're trying to wrap this thing up, <laughs> but but Rick, the one thing you said was about you know JJ uh, having a sort of vision for for Ray. If he did, he would have put the flag in the sand and said exactly who she was and where she belonged in the universe in that story. In Why? The first, in, well, because I mean, if it's so important, you, 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 why you, 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 you set her on, on her way? Like, well, it was so important for for Luke Skywalker. Why did we not really find out until Empire Strikes Back? 
That's a good point. Because uh, we're, we're 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 critiquing a trilogy while it's in in uh, in process. Just so that's you guys it. Know. Thank you, thank you. There's another. <laughs> hey guys, everybody that's listening that has problems. With I'm talking about like legitimate problems, not the yeah. uh, alt right crew. Yeah, the second yeah, yeah. Crew. People like with the, like me who have like just problems with it. The as normal a movie. fans that yeah, are all just wrong. That are, that are not <laughs> oh. garbage humans and good people that just legitimately don't like the movie. I'm talking to you. Is that just always remember too? There's another movie coming. It's mm-hmm. part two of a three part story. I want to know this and this and what happened here and why? Why can't we get that answer? I'm like, because there's another freaking movie, and dude. That's precisely why I've been playing nice during this conversation. As you guys wax philosophical about that movie, I keep wanting to interject and stir the pot, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not. Gonna, this is we're having a happy conversation. Yes, we are. There is another chapter, and and part of what I love about Star Wars and about the openness of all this is that we have this mystery. We don't really have any idea what's going to happen. And and to me, that's one of the beautiful things about Star Wars and about this amazing landscape that George Lucas has created. He gave gave us this giant sandbox to play in and filmmakers have such freedom to do whatever the fuck they want in it. And that excites me so much. So I'm glad that here we are a year and a half away from it coming out and we all have slightly different ideas for how it's going to play out. And meanwhile, none of us have any idea, no. but we're going to be there. We're going to be excited and we can't wait. So thank you guys so much for joining me for, for the third round. We're going to have a fourth and a fifth round. We should do a whole nine round saga, really. Just to go, <laughs> you know, we're going to have to find whenever a new big Star Wars story hits between now and episode nine. We're going to have to do this again just to try to catch up and have nine coincide with Absolutely. episode nine. I but, think we um, should. I think we should all launch. The three of us should launch a podcast together called "Stir the Pot," and all we do is fuck with each other for <laughs> an hour. <laughs> we'll just bitch and moan about you, the Last Jedi. You, I'll just come. You said you stir the. You said stir the pot. I was like, stir the pot would be a really cool name for a, <laughs> that, that. Totally. Or, 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 or we call it a... "Stir the Pod." Ooh, Ooh trademark. Oh, trademark. All right. First. So stir the pod. Anyway, you heard it here first. Everyone, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's do our plugs. Uh, Aaron, how can people find you and listen to your velvety dulcet tones absolutely and aaron can i ask you to plug our obi-wan podcast Is sure yeah. sure i don't even remember what episode that, that was i, I think people, i think people should just that. listen to it it's you know yeah <laughs> is that the one um, when rick was on your show is that what you're talking about yeah yeah i'll and look we, for we, it right now while you talk we debate i think it's episode six um yeah so you guys can find me at starting sith on twitter um you could also find me at the fanboy garage um, we've just kicked up a, uh, our first contest or giveaway. So if anyone's interested in the last Jedi or black Panther, um, certainly send us, uh, a five-star review and proof of that. I'm sorry. I'm doing this hardcore. Plug, and you are episode six, by the way, it uh, is episode six. Yeah. So, oh, and listen, listen to the, uh, episode six, uh, where Rick and I and Chris Lasanti, my co-host, uh, sort of get into it about Obi-Wan Kenobi. So if you're interested in that, certainly give that a listen. And if you're interested in some awesome, Jedi gear. We do have our very cool uh, Jedi training, the Fanboy Garage Jedi training T-shirt, which you can purchase at our merchandise store, which is at thefanboygarage.com. Woohoo! Rick, follow me on Twitter at shoerick s h u w r i c k. If you are into politics, please follow my political show, Left Shoe Politics s h e w. We are going to launch our podcast again next week. Our last episode, we had the one and only Touré. It was a good show. Two quick po- podcasts to, to also uh, plug. Batman on film. We did our ten year uh, retrospective, introspective. What do you want to call it? On the Dark Knight. Oh, and it was, it was so good. 
Thanks, dude. I really, I'm really glad you listened to it and you liked it, man. It means a lot to me. It really does. But it's Justin Kowalski, Ryan Haas, and Bill Jett Ramey, of course, and myself. It's kind of the four main guys. And we just talk about our love for that film and Bill's experiences on the set visits and press junkets and everything. And then I joined Justin recently. If you're into old school rock and roll, I'm on Justin Kowalski's uh, Let's Go podcast. And it just went up yesterday. And uh, we just talk about Guns N' Roses. So a little... Nice. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that show. It was fun. We drink. We were drinking some beer while we were taping it and filming it or recording it. You show your age when you say taping. Yeah, <laughs> Anyway, that's all I have. I really appreciate. I love you guys and Mario. It's been so long. I've missed you, and we'll let's just do a vlog together soon. And Aaron, yes. let's uh, we let's podcast in the not too distant future as well. Absolutely, my friend. Awesome Always guys, thank you. And until the next time, may the force be with you. Always. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that. And that was episode 68 of the Fanboy Podcast. Please, as always, be sure to tell your friends about the show. Keep the love and support coming. Visit patreon.com slash revenge of the fans if you want to donate to the cause. Keep your browsers tuned to revenge of the fans.com as uh, these last few days have shown you. We've got some pretty good intel for you on all the projects that mean the most to you. So thanks as always for all your love and support, everyone. And if you know, and I will be found again next week on Tuesday on the Revengers podcast before I go on another little vacation. So everyone, thank you. Until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adiós.